Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Today is the day you will lose fat. Come see Dr. T at NJ Diet. Easiest diet I've ever done. It's changed my life. Come see Dr. T. Using blood work and DNA testing. one 855 5 Diet and njdiet.com. Change your life in only 40 days with NJ Diet. Hey, yo, what's good? Check it out. This is your boy, Elder Sensei. One half of the legendary artifacts. You are right now in tune to my man, Tim Einenkel at the library on rapstation.com. Let's get it popping, y'all. Artifacts. Peace, Elder Sensei. I'm out. My next guest is an artist, performer, director, actor, author, entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. He has been spitting fire for the years and has just released his newest album, Forever New. He's Queens, New York MC, Mr. Complex, and I want to welcome him to the library with Tim Co. Thank you for coming. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Um, so I want to start with the album. Uh, as mentioned, it's called Forever New, right? Right. Spelled N-E-W. But then the first track is Forever New, spelled N-U. Yeah. So if you look at that, if you just say it, you're like, all right, that's the that's the title track of the album, right? Right. right. But obviously different spellings. Yeah, I did it just so you wouldn't be so confused. Right. And when I put in my iTunes and my computer, I'm able to distinguish which is what. <laughs> so know. is there any other like, uh, I guess, meaning behind? The title, New, yeah, yeah. The title is, you know, the the simple answer is like it's always gonna be fresh. You know what I mean? I make timeless music. You know, I uh, recently someone hit me. It was like, oh, we just found this song. Visualize, we love it. We're gonna put it on our charts. You know, and I'm like, you realize that's 20 years old. <laughs> you know, so it's like people because i've been underground i never reached the masses like at one time you know it's like a certain community knows about my music but if the masses did hear it i'm sure i would have sold millions of records but you know i didn't you know i just the underground i've been surviving in that world you know so my music is always going to be you know found by new people every day you know for you is that I guess more of the blessing that it's a, it, you know it has its pros and cons. It's frustrating because you wish sometimes that you know you haven't heard my music. No, so every time I perform, I'm performing like you never heard of me before. Right. So I have that mentality. It's not like I was you know I could get on stage and be like dizzy, let's see play, and then everybody just sings your songs and right. you just I'm used to this. You know what I mean? So it's like you do work harder and you do have an edge because once you become in people's minds so hard, that's what they remember you for. Right, you right. know what I mean? So sometimes it's hard for those, you know, classic artists, those pioneers to do mu- new music. And if you're an artist, you want to be an artist for your life, you're not going to stop being creative. You know what I mean? So it's like 
if your main passion is making new music and just imagine if you rock him, you came, and you make it incredible new rhymes, incredible new songs, but people just want to hear Yo, set it off. You know? Yeah. Come on, man. I want to hear nothing new. Right. Just do the song you, we paid you for. You know what I mean? Right, right. So it could be frustrating, but for them, you know, then it could be cool. You know, it could be cool that Rob Bass, all oh, he got to get up there and go, it takes two to make him go around. <laughs> right. I got some new incredible rhymes. We don't want to hear that, you right, know, right, right. but I can still do that. I mean, I grew up listening to Ron Bass, but it was like, you know, Ron Bass, it was, but it, it was, it was Take Two, or, right. you know, Joy pumping up. Uh-huh. And I listened to his album as a, my, you know, 37, and there's this, I don't remember the name of the track, but there's a song there, and it's like, why wasn't that the track? Because he just destroys it lyrically. It wasn't right. like a, you know, it's not a commercial right. track, but he just destroys it lyrically. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned just now Rakim and in Forever New the track you yeah. mentioned him as well right right where you been makes me want to poke Rakim from like way back when sorry I left you but I swung rhyme a step two now a step right back in the limelight rhyme right in your face hit you in your chest what impact did he have on you as an artist and then also can you believe Peyton Full is uh, 30 years old <laughs> right you know I just saw um, a couple of days ago you know how everybody's like the top five MCs and everybody's always trying to pick. And people pretty much pick, you know, the same ones. And I always like to just to, I hate that, that question, that, that whatever the statement, yeah. you know, question, whatever. Because then it, it, people forget about 50 other MCs that did incredible work too. Right, right. You know what I mean? They just wasn't as popular. Right. But... When I saw Rakim just the other day, and I was always saying LL was my favorite, Coogee Rap might have been my second and up there. But as I saw Rakim again, I really was like, damn, he got to be my favorite, you know? <laughs> it's just a lot about him, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, the way no. he, he's really mastering the stage now more than he was when he made those records. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I seen him put the microphone to his vein like it was a right, yeah. needle. Right. He did Microphone Fiend. And I was like, just that little subtle thing he was doing, I was like, yo! <laughs> and he could t- tell he was having fun, he, you know? Right. And I was like, he was changing the songs up musically, and I was like, yo, you know, he was really enjoying himself. And I was like, he's up there. Right, right, definitely. Yeah. Uh, another track on the album, uh, Look at What You Did. So you listen to it, or I listen to it, and it seems to be a track about a relationship, about yeah. breaking up with a girl and the impact that that had on you. But then after I listened to it for a few times, and then after hearing the track, then was then, I thought maybe it's more about your relationship with rap music and hip-hop culture. Am I... What, 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 what is it about? You know, you know, I'm a writer, so I do put a lot of my life into stuff and then I do have the imagination to write about you know fantasy right so that song yes it is about you know relationship and my relationship because of who I am is music right you know so it does have some of that in there like I was you know married divorced kids you know all that and one of the strongest uh, reasons just for it's hard to live in this business and have a, a, a family like that, you know, life. So the music was not a scapegoat, but it was an element that was like, 
You got to learn to live with me because I'm going to be focused on this. You know, a woman may want to be your number one attention, but if you have to tour and make music, she may get number two spot, not to put numbers on them. But that was one of the reasons that broke up a few relationships, you know. So in that song, Look at What You Did, you know. Right. It is. Right, right. You know? You can eat a cockatoo. Here it tastes like chicken. I hope you're choking the bone. You got me forever tripping. Uh, uh, take that. Speaking of uh, Then Was Then, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a great track that is also it's commentary about how there's no originality today. Uh, people just want to follow trends and get those right. numbers up. Um, and they just want to stay in that one lane. Right. Like if you do something, you know, everyone wants to be like a Drake or whatever. Mm-hmm. What do you think happened where artists now just want to follow that that trend versus like, you know, want to be something different? Yeah, we didn't have, you know, when we were coming up, everybody, you know, when artists started popping up and it was like... Um, you know, when I saw MCs, I thought they were a different type of person. You know what I mean? I was like, they was like the uh, the football team captain. You know, right. they had to be the cool person to be a rapper. I was like, wow. You know what I mean? Until I met, some of them were my friends in high school. Right. But then when I started meeting MCs that I was seeing outside, and then I run up into them and you find out they're regular people. Right. You're like, wow, okay. So... It was a different thing then for to become an artist. You just had to be creative. A lot of them were nerds. A lot of them whatever, whatever. But now, we didn't have the, uh, the social media, the Facebook, the Instagrams and stuff like that to where anybody could holler at a girl from the, you know, room. Right. And their confidence level is higher because they're not really there. Right, you know right, what I mean? yeah, yeah. And then the whole thing of following and, you know, sharing pictures and sharing memes... And it's that whole, this is what we do. I'm going to follow your friends. I'm going to go to your friends, and I'm going to like all your girls or your pretty girlfriends. I'm like, yo, why are you, you know, following all my friends, my female friends? These are my real friends. They're just Facebook. It's just Facebook. Yeah. So it's just the, the, where we at right now, same with the rappers. It's like I don't have to get on stage. I don't have to, you know, fight my way to radio stations or do the things that I did. I could go in my bathroom, record a song, and put it up to the world right now. So it's like, I don't have to be original. I don't have to go to school. I don't need anybody's approval to tell me if I'm good or not. You know, I don't, I don't need anything. So it's so much easier right now. And that's why you have everybody biting people's names, biting styles. Everybody sounds the same because there's no rules. It's like this little phone thing is like all I need to be a star if I wanted to be. And the only people that's going to be a star is the one that's making the most posts. Right. You know? Yeah. Or do all the tricks that they do to make people follow them. Right. You know? Yeah. Do you think, but do you, do you think those people in the long run will just get weeded out and just be like a passing no, fad or? Because that's becoming an art form in itself. You know? How did, uh, Let's pick a girl. Amber Rose? Yeah, Amber Rose. There's a million of those. You know what I mean? But how did she become successful? You know what I mean? So it's a a lottery. It's sort of a skill. You know what I mean? It's like a hustle that whatever. 
But there's like, I want to be just like her. She doesn't right. have any talent to do what? You know what I mean? Right, right. So it's like, you know, that's a skill too. You know, so you can't say, all right, everybody has a phone. I'm going to be a next Amber Rose. I'm going to be a next Kardashian or whatever. But, you know, there's people trying to do that. You know? Yeah, sure. I was speaking to Mr. Complex. His new album is Forever New. Complex, you said in an interview um, that you're not a fan of doing an album and getting a bunch of features on it mm-hmm. uh, just to sell yourself. Right. Um, the quote was just to sell me. That was your mm-hmm. quote. So when you look at an album that, and then you look at a track and you do have features on it, right. me as a, a listener, as a fan, as an interviewer, has to think, well, there, must be, there has to be a really, really good reason why you know, someone like Complex would have a feature on it. So let's talk about um, the track uh, Gotta Get Home, which mm-hmm. features Sadat X, General DV, Prince Poe. Why those three on a track? Making these music is almost like painting. And sometimes you need certain colors or certain you know, elements to make this picture, to make this project. When I had the track, first person I thought of was DV Christ. And I was like, I had the concept of the gotta get home and I hit him up and I was like, yo, this is something I wanna make, you know, and, and, and encompass. He was like, yo, you should get organized confusion. It would be crazy, blah, blah, blah. You're the only one that could do that, you know? <laughs> and then, you know, I, when he said that, I started thinking the Prince's writing style and, and the way this song was coming together was like, it was just growing and was just growing. And then, and then Farrell was, you know, you know, he's like my best friend. And everybody's always expecting me to have him on it. But I was like, I want to reach out, you know, a different direction. And the way Sadat rhymes, the way he, he paints his story, you know, he, you you think of, you know, Punk Jump Up and the way he was like, one day I was on train, and you just remembered the way he put it together. So I was like, yo, he would put it, you know, a little slice of what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get everybody home and I was like there's so many different elements that people run into that um, may prevent us from getting home fight police you know whatever on the, in the city you know fights whatever Yeah. so I was telling everybody take something take something and they was like alright alright I got you and they just came back with their pieces and then I was able to put it together and I added more female Nadine Michelle on there just to you know glue some things together right. there and take it a little way and it just came out I never did a song like that besides from like polyrhythmatics joints where I would have this many artists on one song so I just tried something new I imagine also it's a trust thing right like yeah. you know that these artists yeah, yeah. could well I mean you obviously know them really well so you know that these artists would mm-hmm. you just give them the concept and then they just yeah. you don't have to like hold their hand or anything right, throughout right. the whole thing are you playing with this metro card I need a drink Rage. what the fuck you think damn my I need a link wife got an attitude kids ain't a boy fool I saw this maze and build my foundation and watch out for the strays the camera got it all on tape or he's telling I don't want so one of my favorite tracks on this whole album was uh, Journey. Oh, yeah. Hey, man. Yeah, you was there. Yeah, I was there, but, you know, tell them why you started priming. You know, give them the story. Yeah, you're right. First off, R.I.P. Andre Kyle. 
supposedly so make a supreme Woe is me, slow with me, so the world can see supposedly and it it's it's obviously timeless but it's also i was you know reading reading up for our interview and you created this hip hop autobiography like pretty much as like as i was reading this interview about you this and i was listening to this track i was like oh why am i reading the interview i just have to listen to this track yeah. um it tells us how you started as an artist and who you know how you started writing and everything. Uh, what's the significance for you to release this track now? You know, at one point in time, I was almost like this might be my last album, just because I'm so heavy in the film world and it's just so difficult to record. This album took me eight years to make. Oh wow! And that song, you know, the reason I started recording. My first producer. When I ran with Trey, aka Omega Supreme, he take me around places. I be up for faces. He rode with Russ. He had all the aces. You know, was he had got cancer, and um, I got a call from Farrell. Was like, yo, call Dre. He's about to die. He's in the hospital. So I went. It was a hard call to make, and I went. And some of my other friends that we all went to high school with were there. And one of them, the producer, Mortal One, was he came. And he told me that he started making beats late in the game. You know, he was a correction officer. He retired early. He was like, yo, Dre taught me how to work the, you know, machines and all. You got to come to the crib, check out my beats. Uh -huh. So that's what started, you know, me coming back. Because I was almost done with the music. Then when I went back, he played me incredible stuff. And we started recording again. I was like back in Southside, Jamaica, Queens. I said, you know what, how about we just do a whole album, you know, in the light of my man Dre, Omega Supreme. So that's what started that, and then just being back and it just all the all the stories and stuff from me starting in my career, and it was almost like a like a Forrest Gump type story, <laughs> you know, because I was there at places when when things happened and it's just incredible stories that people really wouldn't believe, but it was just being there in Queens and you know having all these people around me, things just just opened up. So, the story just came out. You know, I just decided to tell it because it might be my last time making an album. And I said, hey, here you go, you know. A track that I thought might have was going to be asking you, well, is this your last album? Just because, I'm not, and I'm not asking you if this is your last album, but the song, a shout-out song. Right. You give thanks to many people. Uh, and a name that stood out to me, another producer, uh, composer, was Lee Stone. Right. And I think mostly because I interviewed Farrow in the past about um, PTSD, and uh, and he talks about Lee, Lee a lot. Um, so, as I mentioned, Lee's worked with Farrow, he's worked with Method Man, Shabam Sadiq, and many more. Uh, for you, what, why is Lee important to you? Lee was a friend that lived a few blocks away from me when I first started. Again, my, man, my producer, Andre Kyles, when we first started making demos, like 89, 90, he started working with Def Jam, with Russell, and then he started touring, and then actually, you know, he was working with CeCe Peniston, I had a manager, and then they just left for seven months, you know? 
and I didn't know how to work the machines as well. But my man Lee knew a little bit. So when I used to go to the studio, I used to bring Lee with me, you know. Lee, come on, studio me. Then I bought an Akai 950, and I started buying equipment, just bringing it to Lee's crib. Until we started building a studio up over there. And and then Lee would start to make the beats. And um, I used to bring records over there, like samples, right here, right here. And that's how we did Feel Me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I started bringing people over, Pani. Then I started bringing Farrell over. Next, you know, my time got limited. <laughs> you know, then Lee started getting successful projects, especially working with Farrell. Then that led him to, you know, other stuff. He got gold records on his wall now. But Lee was like my one of my early producers that helped me bring out my sound. You know, helped me find who Mr. Complex was. Because even those earlier days. The producers that I was working with were trying to get me to be like the new R&B rapper. They was like, Will Smith is doing TV now. You could be the clean-cut storyteller, you know. And I was like, yo, it's Mr. Complex. Listen to that name. It's not going to be rhyming over R&B tracks, you know. And then when I remember they came back from tour, I played them some songs. They was mad, you know, like, (laughs) what is this? This is what I did. And I was making beats at the time, you know, and it was like, this is my sound. Then I started finding the people that liked me and started building who Mr. Complex was. Lee was there to help me get a lot of that going. I want to turn to film. Uh, right. You have this passion for film. You have this passion for music. You got a degree for, uh, for film from the New York Film Academy. Mm-hmm. Did you pursue a degree in film as a backup plan originally, or was it another passion that you just... Yeah, you know, I'm an artist from day one. I went to art and design high school. I could draw, paint, do everything, you know, photography. Oh, yeah, those people I hate that could do these things. (laughs) It's just, I don't know, it's just my hand and my eye just work together, you know? And then the creativity come out. So it's like everything, if I sit down and if I wanted to be a cook, like when I worked on food shows, I was like, hey, this is almost being an artist too. You're creating in the kitchen, thinking of new things to put in your muffin or whatever. (laughs) You know? But, you know, like 95, I said it in that song. Yeah. I put out the first record in 95. I went to film school in 95, you know. And it wasn't like backup. It just was those things I did. When I was in college, Fresco was in my class. I used to remember him, Fresco and Miz. And he had just won the, uh, the championship or whatever it was. And then he used to tour. And he was touring with Ice Cube at the time. Mm. And I just remember being in class and he's like, yo, I'm going to be gone. And he'd tell me about some shows he did last night, and it was, like, just amazing to hear, you know? Right. And so I knew then I was like, I'm going to try some music, you know? And my professor was like, yo, you you can make six figures on your art alone. You don't even apply yourself. And it was like, yo, I'm going to rap. I don't want to do this shit, you know? And then it kept going back and forth. Like, the art stuff died. And then I remember I ran to a friend's house that I went to NYU and was shooting a film in his house. I was like, what are you doing? And I was like... I want to do this. And then working in the airport, another friend went to film school and he had a camera and then we just shot stuff, just rebel stuff and just crazy and it just fell in love. But then it all plays a part in the film. You could put your music, your stories, everything into a movie. You could put your music, everything encompassed inside a movie. You know what I mean? Right. 
And then it just was like, I'm just doing it all. And then I still was doing the music for 95 and shooting films, but then Visualize came out in 97, kind of put the film on hold. Because then I was touring around the world, sorry. Touring around the world, and then, um, you know, it was music, music. And then I jumped back into the film, and the music started slowing down after, like, the millennium and, and September 11th slowed right, right, the industry right. down. Has there ever been a time uh, for you to, that you had a concept for a song, and then you kind of realized that it would be a better film, or vice versa? Yes. I still have this one script called Revenge of the Sound Man that I wrote, and then organized and did a song. That's how long the script is, called Sound Man. Right. I'm on mic number one, Prince on mic number two. This bit moving right, right, right there, yeah. One more, come on, come on, right, yes, yes, right, yeah. Similar to the way I remember to be the wordsmith, Pharaoh, God's gift of vocabulary. My person knew soliloquies. And it was from off my script. Oh, you wow. know? And I wanted to use the song in the script. It's like I, so much I want to put in this movie. I still always saying, I'm gonna, I gotta make this movie just because it would be so crazy and musical and hip hop and authentic because it's a real artist making it. And I'm gonna be so creative. And I almost, I almost shot part of it. We show on Price a few years ago. It's one scene, and I'm regretting that I didn't get it done. But, you know, right. I don't know. One day I'm going to get the movies made. I'm finishing a documentary now, because she should be on the radio, on independent female singers. It's been on that for like six years. Wow. I thought it would be easier to do a documentary than doing a scripted fit film, but I was wrong. <laughs> uh, the new album, Forever New. Uh Mr. Complex, thank you so much for joining me in the library with Tim Anikow. Uh, thank you, man. Thank you so much. Everybody following. Hit me up. Plex, Plex, Plex. Supposedly, Omega Supreme. Woe is me. Roll with me. So the world can see. Supposedly, Woe is me. Roll with me, I'ma tell you so, so, so yeah. the world could see. These boys from my building wrote a rhyme about me. I immediately had an outer body. I started glowing, the rhymes started flowing, skills started showing, minds was blowing, but I wasn't convinced. But when I went to school, I sat next to Prince. That's poor with the flow, but I don't really know when rats would ever get a go. I slide to the lunchroom, and then Percy P would bring it to your doom. On the tabletop, no, I didn't get an eye, but Kwame did. This is before the polka dot, and that's my word. I came with the make and let your beats be heard. The art was dominant, stars was prominent. The beat bop to rock by Kenny Muhammad. It was all the dream. When I ran with Trey, aka Omega Supreme, he'd take me around places. I'd be up for faces. He rode with us, he had all the aces. Then we go to DMX's house, and Stevie D. You are the best. He flipped the SP. He put me to the test. Yes, yes, yes. It was progress. I wish I had a camcorder. When DMC came through, freestyling off some brown water. I remember going to Q-tip steps. This is right before the check the rhyme reps. I listened to his early struggle. The relief was speaking. I'm Jerobi Rehuddle. Houdini told me stories that even made me numb. They were like, fuck that friendship. First check, get a gun. I was blown away. But all these little gems made me who I am today. All these little gems made me who I am today. Oh, 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 oh.
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. 
It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.